Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we just thank you. We feel you in this place. We just thank you that you, you, you awaken us. You awaken us. We don't awaken us. You awaken us. Holy Spirit, you draw near and you awaken us. You awaken things in us that, that we didn't even know existed. We feel you in this place. We feel you. You're all around us. You're all around us. We yield to you and just say, have your way. Have your way. Right now, I just want you to begin to ask him to have his way in you. We want him to have his way corporately, but we also want to say, Jesus, have your way in me. Have your way in me. Come on, guys, have your way in me. Just have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Break me open. Tell him, break me open and have your way. Jesus, have your way. Have your way in me. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we're just so glad to be yours. Just so happy. Just so happy to be yours. We recognize that we are in you. You've enfolded us into yourself. We're in you. And you're in us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Can we just do one last thing before we, we transition? I just want you to say thank you. Just thank him. Thank him. Just thank him. Jesus, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Mm, don't you just love saying his name? I think I could just stand up here and say his name over and over and over again. Just Jesus. I just love his name. Jesus. Mm. We love your name, Jesus. You're the only thing that matters right now. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Hmm. You know, I think that Jesus is looking. It says that his eyes are moving to and fro across the earth, looking. He's scanning. Who are the audacious ones? Who are the ones that'll go all in? Who are the ones who will give up everything else to be his? Who are the ones that will give up their reputation to be all in? Who are the ones? Who are the ones that would risk looking like a fool for him? Who are the ones? What stops us? What stops us from going all in? What keeps us from saying, yes, send me? You know, the, the, the people that made the, um, the book of Hebrews, the people that made, made it in there. They're the ones that said yes. They're the ones that didn't care how foolish they looked. They're the ones that were like, have your way. Have your way. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. Have your way in me. And before you start thinking that I'm talking about this weird, devoted, I only pray life, it's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the radical ones, the ones who go and do the thing, the ones who want all of their hiding places blown wide open. Those are the ones he's looking for. Those are the ones that people write about. Be someone that somebody will write about someday. Yes? All right. Thank you, guys. So appreciate you. Yeah. Can we just give them a hand? Just like, I think sometimes it's really good. Whoa, that's like golf clapping. Let's go. Thank you. We need to we need to get a little exuberant, people. What is going on? My computer is like not doing things. Perhaps if I close some tabs. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. Oh, you guys. I got to tell you something before before I go in. And I think that this has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning, but um I've been staying in contact with Lisa throughout the week. For those of you that maybe don't know, Lisa's mom passed away on um, Thursday at like 2, 2.38. And the reason I know the exact time is because it's Lisa. And of course, she was looking for symbolism behind 2.38 in, in the Bible. She was, you know, playing Bible games as one does. But um, her mom passed away. And, and the story behind her mom, we all know she was here last Sunday, right? <laughs> And they left Monday morning to head back to Connecticut. And um, it was Tuesday night that they made it across the Connecticut border, stopped to get something to eat before going on home. 
And as soon as she got out of the car, she just fell over. And um, they took her to the hospital, found out that um, she had blood clots in her, her lungs. And, um, you know, who knows why? Because she was, as Lisa says, in the, in the best health that she had been in in a long time while she was here for a month. But anyway... So we were contending, right? So I, I feel like God gives opportunity. Like when you when you s- step out and you say, okay, God, we're going to do the things you said to do, which are, say it with me, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, right? When, when we've been talking about this, that this is what we know that God is saying, like these are the things you need to do, right? This is a part of his commission, over our lives, that we go and we heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Well, we're chicken Christians, and so we don't actually step into this. Right? I'm right. You don't have to agree with me because I know I'm right. Because otherwise, we would be seeing a whole lot of healings and a whole lot of demon casting out things. And (laughs) I didn't really know how to say that. And people being raised from the dead. I know far too many sick people to, to even think that we have somehow stepped into this. We haven't. But God, in his kindness, when he turns a light on, he then gives opportunity. Now, even in the opportunity, we can find the chicken exit. Right? We can start to build up theology that doesn't actually line up with who God is. We start to say things like, well, maybe death is the ultimate healing. And I'm not trying to be mean by mocking that, but listen, that is errant. Or he would have outlined that death can possibly also be a healing, so just let them die. It's not actually how it works. He said, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Death cannot be healing. Now, do we need to be afraid of death? Who said that? Who's my agreer? Thank you, Alex. We don't need to fear death. We talked about this too, that we need to have better understanding of healing demons and death. We, we, we think that death is somehow separation because we don't understand oneness. So actually, so it was fun. Listen, I'm just going to kind of like break down the story of this week because it, it was Listen, it's been a bizarre week, and I think Lisa's watching. So everybody turn around and wave to the camera. Hi, Lisa. Um, And I did get permission. I didn't get full-on permission, but I did get permission to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Um, So Lisa came on Wednesday. She she came down. Vince and I were talking to her during our, our Wednesday morning meeting, and we're like, you know what, just just come, come be at the church, just come sit in, in the presence and, and we'll come and go and be with you as, as we can. And, and so Lisa and I were sitting downstairs in the basement and what should have been like, you know, a very mournful event, like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? Like your, her mom was like, there was no hope, you know, medically, there was no hope she was going to die. And, and we're like, this is where I'm saying like being all in feels foolish sometimes because it, it is, it, it's disagreeing with what we see, right? It's disagreeing with the report until it, it, it lines up with the good news, right? And the good news is that, you know, we have the ability to heal the sick, 
cast out demons, raise the dead, right? And, and if, we, if we move away from that even a little bit, we're missing it. We're missing it. And so we're downstairs and, and, and we're like giving up outcomes. We're like, you know what? I think we're going all in here. Like I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to believe for healing in this situation. That, that Bonnie, get up. We just kept repeating that. Bonnie, get up. And, and, and so what was interesting is that in the giving up of outcomes, because listen, sometimes we worship the outcomes right? Instead of keeping our eyes fixed on God's, we're, we're going, but what if, right? So like, we're not going to play the what if game in this scenario. We're like, whatever, like Jesus, whatever. You are still Lord and we are still contending no matter what, no matter what we are still contending. And you guys, what happened in this was the room filled. All I can tell you is there was, there was presences, it wasn't just the presence of God because I know what that feels like. This was crowded. We were acknowledging our oneness, our union with God, which means it's a crowded space because I am not the only one in union with God. Everyone in this room is in union with God. Everyone who has gone before us is in union with God. And so we started like going Oh my gosh. The Hebrews talks about the cloud of witness, right? Who gets excited about that? Who thinks that's weird? Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're like going, what do they do? All of a sudden our mind is broke open and we're going, okay, we know we're acknowledging that there's this great cloud of witness. And we're thinking this is what's surrounding us because it was a full room. And we started laughing, like hysterically laughing. It was holy laughter. It wasn't silly laughter. I can totally fall into silly laughter. This was holy laughter. Like it was making a way where there was no way. And, and all of a sudden we're acknowledging the fact that we have no idea what the cloud of witness actually does and what if, right? What if they're actually on assignment? What if, and we're playing around, like, I, I don't know the last time you played around with the person that's on their deathbed in your life, but, um, Lisa was brave. Can I just make a big deal about her bravery right now? There was strength and there was bravery just all over her, right? I mean, like anxiety was not in the room. It was strength and it was bravery. And we're sitting there going, what if she's on assignment? Like, what if, what if she does take her last breath? Death has no sting. Death has no hold, right? What if... She's on assignment there. Whoa. Somebody say, whoa. Because this is good. Yeah? Tell me I'm good. I'll wait. Thank you. Because I feel like this is good. <laughs> so anyway, we're down there. And I'm actually supposed to be at work. Don't tell Robin. But I'm downstairs. <laughs> and and we, I can't pull out. We are like so in this and, and we're just going like, you guys, our minds were blown. I hope your minds are blown at even the, the, the just inkling of a thought of going like, because here's what happened. What you don't understand is while they were here. So for those of you that didn't know, Bonnie and Ron, Lisa's parents were here for a whole month. So we had them here for four Sundays. And as they were here, 
I start, God started like revealing something over Bonnie to me. And the, the third Sunday that they were here, Lisa and I sat out on the sidewalk because, listen, it was a warm sun and we were just enjoying conversation. And we were talking about this pastoral anointing that's on her mom. And all of a sudden the words came out of my mouth, Pastor Bon Bon. And see, there's the silly side. And, um, and, and it just felt so holy and so right. And Lisa's like, oh my gosh. So she goes home and she tells her mom about our conversation. And, and she doesn't deny it. She laughs. She lets out laughter, and, but doesn't deny it. Does not deny the call on her life to pastor. And, um, and so then she comes in last Sunday morning and we're kind of joking about it. And I'm not, I'm dead serious. Anybody know when I'm dead serious? Like, if I see something, I'm calling it out, and you're going to be on stage, right, Cody? And and so, like, I'm serious about this. I'm going, like, she has a, like, I'm going, oh, my gosh, she's going to go back to Connecticut, start a church. Like, I, I'm dead serious about this. And, um, and, and <laughs> so, and then her dad makes some comment about her being, well, they call her deacon back home or something like that. And I'm like, upgrade. So, anyway, I'm telling you all of this so that you can understand that, what if God is calling out this thing that is on her life because of something that she's doing the second that she steps into another realm? We don't know what they're doing, right? What if she is on assignment making a way? And I'm not just talking about Pastor Bon Bon. I'm talking about all the saints that make up the cloud of witness, what are they doing? I think that we think that they're like huddled around and just content like huddling, right? Because that is that kind of like our picture? Or maybe you're one of those that thinks that like they're sitting on clouds playing harps. I don't know what your thought is concerning the cloud of witness. Maybe you haven't thought about it. But all of a sudden I'm going, oh my gosh, death has no grip and it has no sting. And it's not an escape plan. They're very much still here because where is the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, it's at hand. It's here. So take a moment and feel the crowded room. Right? Okay, so here's the part of the story that I wanted to get to. <clears throat> I had to lay it all out. It's fine. I'm what? So she calls me last night. And you guys, all I know to tell you is there is something different about her voice right now. Like there is just such an assurance in her voice that that she knows who she is. And, and before you're wondering, for those of you that just have like this natural therapy thing going on inside of you, she is not denying any sadness. She's allowing the waves to come. She's sitting in the sadness. But at the same time, there is just a, a, a faith that is rising up in her and I can feel it. And so she says to me, the funeral home called, or the crematory, I think is actually what she said. And they, they wanted to know if we wanted to come and see the body before they cremate her. And they all were like, no. Well, then she goes to sleep, wakes up the next morning. She's like, what am I doing? I'm called to heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead. And so now she's going, I called them. I called them first thing in the morning and, and I need to talk to somebody because I need, I've changed my mind. 
oh my gosh, you guys, she's going all in. She's going all in on this. So she finally, it was a long thing, a process to, to be able to get somebody to call her back. But she tells him, I changed my mind and I'm coming in. When can I, when can I be there? That's it. They said, you know, we'll get back with you on Monday or whatever. So she's going all in, guys. She's going to go into the crematory. Is that what it's called? Am I making that up? It sounds official. And she is going to at least exercise her faith because, right, we're holding outcomes like this. We're holding outcomes like this. And if we think for one second that what she's going to do is not going to have kingdom effect, we're wrong. We've missed it. I don't care what the outcome is. I don't care if Bonnie doesn't take another breath. She's advancing the kingdom. And I want us to be the force behind her. I will find out when it is that she's going, and I want us to be the force behind her. Let's all play, right? She is having an effect on the kingdom just by exercising her faith. This is why we have to change our mind and we cannot, we cannot continue to, to create theology that comforts us. Yes, we can't play low-level spiritual games when he's called us to heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Death cannot equal healing. It's not how it works. Don't create theology that comforts you. Live in the discomfort of the unknown. He's a mysterious God. And I, I can't even begin to understand his ways. I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to step into it and go, you said. Are you guys tired of hearing me say these three things over and over again? <laughs> Heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. She's going all in. Aren't you proud of her? Aren't you proud of Christ and Lisa is the hope of glory? Aren't you proud of that? Christ and Lisa is the hope of glory. I just what if, guys? Like, seriously, like, just what if? Can you? I asked her that. I was like, what, what are you going to do if she likes it? I won't tell you what she said because it was inappropriate to say on a stage in a church. But um, <laughs> but let's just be real. That would be anyone's response. Okay, we're going to go to Genesis. Let me remind you of what we're talking about. Um, it's the S word. Submit. Ooh. Yeah, thanks, Vince. Vince is my, my teleprompter back there. <laughs> We were joking on Wednesday. We were joking before we went live on unedited chats. We were joking about, um, well, they've been teasing me about saying submit fools all week. But um, I was like, well, maybe I'll dress up. I mean, it is Halloween. Maybe I'll dress up as Mr. T on Sunday. And and and, and can you guys be the, the rest of the A-team? <laughs> I could have with maybe your help, but, um, anyway, didn't do that obviously. Cause Vince was like, 
does that mean I'm being ordained by Mr. T? And I was like, yeah, that's a weird picture. So um, anyway, so we're talking about submitting. And last week we talked about submitting unto the authority of Jesus, right? How many of you did the homework? Don't you lie. <laughs> we need to step into this, you guys. We have to understand God's authority to understand what we carry, right? We will never be able to do the things that we're called to do because not only is there assignment on the kingdom, but there's an individual assignment on all of us to, to carry out a portion of God's plan for the kingdom on the earth, right? And so we can't understand water, please. We can't understand. Um... <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was beautiful. Anyway, <laughs> we can't understand what is available to us until we understand his authority, what he's carrying. Yes. Thank you so much. You're the best. Um, excuse me. I've talked a lot over the weekend. Um, so really do. Like, I, I really am encouraging you to get into the Word, into your Bibles. You can get in. You're already in the Word. But read your Bibles, people. And understand the authority that Jesus is carrying. And ask him, what does your authority on my life look like? And live that out. Right? And so we talked about... We talked about um, the, the um, remember in Matthew 28, where um, the disciples met with Jesus on the hillside and they worshiped him. Remember, we were talking about this. Oh, I got to read something to you. This is just going to be a great refresher because I like how the message actually says this and I have it here. So this is just terribly convenient. Um, it says this. This is what it says in the message. So remember, I read this to you last week. They had this great reunion before Jesus ascended and he, he told them what he wanted from them. But in, in verse 17, well, let's start at 16. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves fully. Ouch. Are you willing to risk yourself fully is the big question here. Yes? Okay. So that's enough about last week. Now we need to understand that we are actually called to submit one to another. And I get it. I get it. I understand the questions that instantly rise up in our hearts concerning submission. But it is what the call is. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron. And that is what submitting one to another looks like. It does not mean that you are beneath me or I am beneath you. It means that we're standing side by side, sharpening one another and bringing out the best qualities in one another, the best of the kingdom in one another right? Last week, we also talked about the, the, the greatest commandment, right? Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, we talked about like, oh, I don't really want you loving me based on the way that you love you, right? And I know that's a really harsh way to say it, but like, seriously, love yourself 
Understand the authority that you carry. That's loving yourself. Understand what the call on your life is. That's loving yourself. Because when you can understand what it is that you carry and who you are in Christ, when you come and stand next to me, I'm instantly sharpened by who you are. Yes, that's what submitting one to another actually looks like. But unfortunately, what it has looked like in the church is a little more like this. Turn with me, will you, to Genesis 25. We're going way back. Let's just hear the little story about Jacob and Esau. We're starting in verse 19. This is the family tree of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Remember, Isaac was the promise, right? Isaac was the promise. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. That kind of struck me. I was like, wait, what? Interesting. Um, skip down to verse 21. Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife because she was barren. Interesting, isn't it? Because his mom was also barren and then he marries a barren woman there's something something going on there people understand your authority Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife because she was barren God answered his prayer and Rebecca became pregnant but the children tumbled and kicked inside her so much that she said if this is the way that it's going to be why go on living wow you got to love the way the message says things. She went to God to find out what was going on. God told her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples butting heads while still in your body. One people will overpower the other and the older will serve the younger. Guys, this is... We, we need to like break this open prophetically and understand that at any given moment, we typically have two nations represented in, in any given room, right? Right. We have um, different agendas, so to speak. We are functioning under the systems of the earth rather than the kingdom of God. Right. We, we, we do not understand who we are. So instead of falling under one kingdom and, and cooperating with our union, our oneness, we stand on our own and, and acknowledge our own nation, our own way, our own rights, if you will, rather than submitting one to another. Our job as people who are sharing the same spiritual space, and actually these two twins in her womb is a picture of our oneness. We are all wrapped up in the womb of our father. That's a weird picture, but we are. And what is the father experiencing? Right? Is he experiencing our cohesiveness or is he also experiencing two nations going in opposite directions? Yeah? It's a hard word a little bit, maybe. When her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, which means hairy. His brother followed. 
His fist clutched tight to Esau's heel. They named him Jacob. It says in here that that means heel. We also know that Jacob means supplanter. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter and outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom, red. Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew for your rights as the firstborn. Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first swear to me. And he did it. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank, got up and left. That's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. Isn't that interesting? The, the Esau had the rights of the firstborn, the inheritance of the firstborn. And there was nothing but fighting from the moment that they were conceived. They were wrestling over the inheritance from the moment that they were conceived. Now, weeks ago, we talked about the story of the prodigal son, right? And we know how the, the story lay, plays out in that, you know, the inheritance is given to the younger brother and he goes off and he squanders it. Meanwhile, big brother stays, does what's expected of him and no more. Father stays waiting for the son to return. He's blown everything. He's at the end of himself and he thinks coming back and being a servant in his father's house is better than what he currently had. So he, he has a plan. I'm going back and I'm going to ask if I can at least be a servant in my father's house. And upon returning, the father sees him from afar off and he runs. He runs to the son and he receives him in a greater measure than he released him. Right? And then we know what happens the older brother is jealous. These two stories play out the same. Jacob and Esau, the prodigal son, and the big brother. This is where we need to understand who we are. The big brother, though he stayed safe under the covering of his father, did what was expected of him. He's a good little boy. He still had no idea who he was in proximity to the father. He had no idea what authority was actually his. Because all he strived for was to stay in right standing with the father. And righteousness is good. Righteousness good, right? To be right with the father is what we want. But. The Father is looking for people who will risk it all. I think the Father was moved by the younger son. Even though he didn't have noble plans, he had a spirit of adventure and he was willing to go. 
I am not excusing sinful behavior. Do not misunderstand me. That's not who you are, right? We are are righteous. We look like him. We're made in his image and in his likeness. But we also have dominion. And so it's not enough to just stand here looking like him. The big brother is content to just look like the father. What moved the father was the son, the younger son's willingness to take dominion over something. And we know that what happens is the big brother refused to go into the party, into the celebration, right? And this is what we have to guard ourselves against. I feel like this is a warning for us. I think I've said this over and over again to to not play the role of the big brother. Don't be content to just look like the father. Take dominion over what is yours. I need you to. Can I say it like that? I need you to take dominion. Yes, I want you to to, to understand that your likeness is, is, is in him. But that's not where I want you to stop. I think this is where the church is stunted. We're okay with saying, I look like you. But we have no go in us. And in order to take dominion, we have to partner with the go of the gospel. I know that sounds so cliche, but it is. That is what it is. We have to be willing to go because is what the world actually needs is not a bunch of Christians that look like a father, but are willing to go and stand next to another and sharpen them. And when we're talking about sharpening one another, we're talking about pulling the kingdom qualities out. If we are, so what Jesus did was take on all of the fallen nature right? We know this. He buried it. It's gone, dead. It died with him. And we were raised to new life. We are new creation. But unfortunately, we are, we're, we're like hybrids, right? We're like these hybrid creatures where we're like, yes, I'm a new creation. I look like him. But I'm associating with this old nature still stuck in the grave because new creation is actually compelled to move, to take dominion. It's what we were created to do in the first place. And actually, if you want to get very technical, Adam and Eve, when God, when God created them, when he created Adam, he, he says, and, and, and just, Okay, so we know that there's two accounts of creation in Genesis, right? He, he creates Adam. Well, he creates man and woman. He makes them in his likeness and his image, and he, he's given them dominion over the earth, right? So we were all spoken into existence on that day. Yes, all of us were spoken into existence. We all existed from that day forward. Now, did we all have bodies at that point? No. Then God forms Adam, Right? Then God forms Adam, and he gives him dominion over Eden, right? What does Eden mean? Pleasure. God gave man dominion over pleasure. Look what we've done with it. Wow. We have dominion over pleasure because the kingdom 
is made of pleasure, but we've taken it in the wrong direction, right? This is why scripture, you want to know why scripture always, like it's these, especially, especially the go eat popcorn section of the Bible, <laughs> the Galatians, Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians, and, and Colossians, it, it, where he's, it's all good, it's all good, but don't do these things, right? And, and what we can look at and understand is that he's given us dominion over pleasure, right? He's given us dominion over delight. And, and he's going like, so Paul's laying out, he's like, do all these great things. Don't do these things because these are pseudo forms of pleasure, right? So the, the do not get drunk with wine, do not fall into sexual sin, all of those things. They are, it's a false, it's a pseudo pleasure. It's not lasting. What he's given us dominion over is lasting pleasure, pleasure that can cover the whole earth. Do you think that his glory is pleasurable? Yes. Of course it is. Of course it is. Do any of you who have children want them to suffer? Do you want bad things for them? Do you want to teach them lessons that might incur some tough parts of life? No! Why would the father do that? He wouldn't. His glory, he says that his glory will cover the whole earth like the waters cover the seas, right? Where do you think this glory is coming from? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory, the pleasure of the Lord is coming out from your bellies. This is why I always go back to the Care Bear stare. I know you all hate me for it. It's fine. You just don't understand the revelation that I'm carrying here. Those cuddly little bears have some glory on them. You really need to go watch the cartoon because there's power in the Care Bear stare. This is what I'm talking about. Out of these little furry creatures' bellies comes glory, and it's individual to what it is that they're carrying. It is. Whoever the creator was of the Care Bears knew what they were doing. They were bringing kingdom revelation onto the earth through a cartoon. This knowledge has been on the earth since the Care Bear Stare was invented. He will stop at nothing to get your attention. He'll stop at nothing. Okay, so you want to talk about the Power Rangers? Listen, when I watch TV, all I see is God. I'm not bragging on myself. It's just the way I'm made. He is annoyed by it. I'm like, stop! Did you hear that? The Power Rangers. Now, I don't really like the Power Rangers as much as I like the cuddly little Care Bears. But the Power Rangers are capable of taking all of themselves and building one creature. Am I right? Does this happen? I think this is true. It is, because then they kind of like, anyway, go watch the Power Rangers. They all collectively are, or individually, they are powerful. They all carry a, a, a glory. 
right, that they can release on the earth. And they are also equipped to commingle and be even more powerful. You guys, this is such a picture of us. I was not intending to talk about cartoons this morning, but it feels right. This is who we are. We are those who are releasing glory on the earth, and God will not be satisfied until his glory covers the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. Submit! Cool. I'm saying it a little nicer this week. We have to submit. We have to submit one to another. We have to, have to, have to. Listen, I have notes. I should look at them. Here's what I want to say, and I've said this, I said this probably a hundred times this week alone. Authority without a willingness to carry the burden is a pseudo authority. It's not real. It's not real. You, you carry no substance. You just want to look good. But if you are not actually emitting a glory, you're doing nothing for the body of Christ. You are doing nothing for the world. Our job is to infiltrate the world, not to want to escape it. We're supposed to be bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth, establishing it. But what I see most of the time, and this goes back to the story of Jacob and Esau, is people reaching for authority and not having the willingness to carry the burden that comes with it. If you think for one second that pastoring a church does not have a burden that comes along with it, you've been fooled. Because it does. But here's the deal. You shouldn't be able to see it because there's a grace on my life. Right? Some of you that are closest to me know that there is a burden on my life, but it's fine. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like this comes from a sense of orphanhood. We don't know who we are. So we're grasping at authority with an unwillingness to carry the burden that goes with it. But you're built for the burden, right? And in fact, it is the burden that produces all of the glory. It produces the power that is emitted from us. Think of pearls. How are they made? Right? Pearls are made under great pressure and agitation. What? It's fine. Just look. Just look it up. Just look it up. Okay. Where do we want to go from here? Oh, this is really good. I should tell you this. So the word submit actually means to accept or yield to a superior force. And that does not mean, again, that does not mean that you one is under the other. It means that we are submitting to, like, okay, so Robin clearly carries a, a worship anointing. Now, will I ever sing like her? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but when Robin is next to me and we, we are, we are like, we're both contending for the same thing. She ignites something inside of me. And that's how this should work. So it's just like those furry little creatures when they do the Care Bear Stare. Now they don't always stand around doing the Care Bear Stare. They go off on their own and mostly are doing their individual thing, right? But there are moments when they have to stand. Guys, they line up. It's powerful. They line up, all of them. They're called to order, and they all stare at the same time, and it creates one power. 
And it's beautiful. But it, it can only happen when they're all when they're all releasing at the same time. And, and you better believe that they are more empowered at that moment. Is it okay that I'm talking about us through Care Bears? Um, there's more power in them being emitted from them in that moment. So that's what I'm talking about, like submitting to the superior force in one another. Do we like this? Are we good? Okay, so the other thing that we have to look at is the word subject is mixed up in that phrase too. Submit yourself one to another. We must subject ourselves one to another. And this is what that means. I am so excited. Can you tell? To bring under jurisdiction. Right? That's awesome. So all of us, when we're walking in our kingdom authority, have territory that we're reigning over. You might not know what it is. That's okay. We're going to get there. But we all have territory that we're supposed to be taking. And so, again, if Kalita has a territory that is hers, I can actually access what she has, the the authority that she has over that territory by subjecting myself to what she carries. Do you see how this plays out? We're invincible. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, we collectively have so much going for us. We, we not only have access to one another's giftings and powers and what have you, but we also have access to the territories that each of us possess, which is why, and this is a perfect example. So right now, Robin has a territory and it looks like a salon, like in the spirit realm. I'm not sure what that looks like, but right now it's in the physical, it's a salon, right? And, and she's invited me in and you better believe that I come in with all my prophetic powers. But she's invited me in. I, I, I am subjected to her territory, right? And this is actually laid out in scripture. Paul comes into town, right? He gets booted. But then he comes back and he makes nice with, who is it? Uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Yes, he makes nice with them. He befriends them. They realize, oh my gosh, there's something here. We're connected. We're supposed to be in this together. All of a sudden, he has authority in that town. Isn't that? That's so fun. You guys, we just don't know what's ours. Let's go exploring. Yes? Is anybody with me? Okay. Because I'm super excited about this. Oh, this is fun. Mutual submission adds value to or enhances who we are. It expands our reach. It's a co-mission with Jesus and one another, evidence of our oneness. I read that last week, right? So when we are submitted one to another, our mutual submission adds value to what we're already carrying. You want more? Learn to submit. You know? Like, let's be real about this. You want more? learn to submit. You're already fully equipped with everything that he wants you to have. You might not have accessed it yet, but you're already fully equipped with everything that he wants you to have. You want to add value to that? Learn to submit. Learn to subject yourself one to another. You want a greater expanse? Partner with someone. It's what we're called to do. 
the kingdom is mostly about partnership because we're sharing one holy space anyway. Anyway, well, we're going to stop there for today. I know you're sad about it, but that's just where we're going to leave off.